Good morning, Mercy Road. How are you guys doing? Good? Hey, it is so good to be with you guys. It's been a great morning, and we're going we're gonna to keep that going, all right? But can we welcome those that are watching online right now and just let them know we're glad that they could join as well. Uh, go ahead and share this message because you never know how God could use this in somebody's life. Well, I'm excited to jump in today, but before we do, I have a confession to make. Um, I struggle with priorities. Anybody in here relate to that? So I went off to college uh, in high school, great grades, the whole thing, straight A's. I go to college and I'm just having a great time. Met my wife the first semester there, made a whole lot of friends, living in a dorm with the guys and just enjoying my college experience. And then that first report card came in and I looked at my GPA and I was like, does this stand for God, please assist your boy because I'm struggling here, right? Anybody have a rude awakening at some point in your life and just realize like, hey, like priorities are kind of important, right? Uh, how about this? How about many, how, how many of you, if you're willing to be honest this morning, how many of you, you're driving to church, you've got five minutes to make it there, to barely make it there on time, but you also kind of want Starbucks? How many of you, you take that little detour and get to church like, oh, come on, let's see a show of hands. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else is hiding their Starbucks cups right now. Um, but it's so easy to have priorities right in life, isn't it? And it's so hard because we live in a world that is just full of busyness and distraction. And what I want to talk about today as we continue in our series, No Other Gods, is the idol of busyness or distraction. And we're going to be talking about this idol of distraction or busyness as a spiritual problem because it is one. If you've been following along in this series, week one, Pastor Josh did an amazing job of setting up who our God is. As we're going to talk about no other gods, it begins with first realizing who our God is. And we said that there is no thing and there is no one like our God. And last week, we talked about this, that Jesus wants to be both Lord and Savior of our lives. And as Savior, He alone can offer us eternal life. But as Lord, He alone deserves our full love and devotion. And so we're going to be continuing this series today talking about these idols of distraction or busyness because we, ha we all have these idols in our lives. And this is this quote by David Clarkson that I shared last week. He says, it's that the human heart is indeed a factory that mass produces idols. It means that you don't have to try very hard to end up with things that are idols in your life, right? There's something about the human heart that does that. And we defined an idol in this way. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. That's Tim Keller who said that. Or another way to simply just define what we're talking about when we say an idol is anything in your life that becomes more important to you than God. That's what an idol is. And that's what we're talking about here in this context. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Power up your devices, turn to Luke chapter 10, and it's going to be a conversation between Jesus and two sisters, and what we're going to learn about priorities in that conversation is going to be so helpful for us, and what I want to do this morning is to be honest, because for many of us, when it comes to talking about these idols in our lives, very few of us are actually willing to admit that I've allowed anything in my life to become more important than God. Like if we just were to say that, you'd say, well, surely not. God is the most important thing in my life. But the reality is that every single one of us, we have idols in our lives. And what I want to do through this series is to be honest about that. 
because you can't help or you can't heal what you hide. And so for us to address it, can we just all be honest, myself included, in this conversation about what those things are in our lives? Because these are serious spiritual problems that can grow. And if you're taking notes this morning, the one kind of overarching truth that I want us all to walk away with when we're going to be talking about this idol of distraction or busyness is this, that if I don't intentionally prioritize God in my life, then I will unintentionally end up with other gods. If I don't intentionally prioritize God, make sure that he's actually first in my life, I will unintentionally end up with other gods or idols in my life. And so can, we, can I just ask you this question? Does God have priority in your life? And let's ask that question together this morning. Pray with me. Father, we just want to invite you into this space right now, a real space where we can be honest about our lives actually, and we can open up our lives and our hearts and allow you just to convict us, to speak to us, and Father, to make sure that you are ultimately the priority in our lives, and I pray that you would, God, speak to us, bring things to our mind, and call things to our attention that you want for us to get rid of in our lives, that we would have no other gods before you, that you would be our sole priority in this life, and so we just invite you in this space to speak to us right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Luke chapter 10, let's turn there. So verse 38, and it says, Now as they were on their way, uh, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into the, her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and just listened to his teaching. And I don't want us to miss something. It's kind of it's going to be a little bit of a detour here, but I don't want us to miss something really significant that is happening here in this text that we just read. See, who Jesus was in that day was he was a rabbi. And back in that day, as a rabbi, as a teacher, it was a big deal to invite somebody to come and to sit at your feet and to learn under you. So what was actually happening here was something so powerful is that Jesus was actually inviting Mary to sit at his feet, to learn and to be a disciple. A disciple, the Greek word for that is methetes. It simply means student or a learner, somebody who studies under a teacher. And the fact that he's inviting Mary to sit at his feet and he's teaching her is such a big deal because back in that day, what he was doing for a rabbi to invite a woman to sit under him and to learn was just unheard of. So it is such a big deal what's going on here in this text. And in fact, you look at Jesus's ministry and over over again, what you're seeing Jesus do is to elevate people that maybe would have been overlooked back in that day, which is why he calls the kids and he says, hey, don't, don't stop them. Let them come to me, puts them in his lap. And he says, the kingdom of God belongs to people such as these. And he's elevating the lepers and the outcasts and the tax collectors. And over and over again, you see wherever the good news of the gospel was preached, it was elevating people, restoring them to a place of dignity, allowing them to actually be treated and be seen the way that God actually treats and sees them, which is why, which is why if you attend Mercy Road here, our church looks the way that it looks, where you'll see different ethnicity, different ages, men and women serving, all being together because the kingdom of God does that. That's central to the good news of the gospel is about restoring our rightful dignity and identity in Christ. And so that's why we celebrate that around here as a church. And that's why you're going to see that represented here because Jesus cared about that and he elevated all people back in that day. And we want to do the same thing as well. So what is happening here is Jesus is breaking all kinds of cultural norms. He's doing something really significant. That is a big deal back in that day. And if you're taking notes this morning, write this down that distraction 
is the biggest obstacle to discipleship for most in America. Distraction is the biggest obstacle to discipleship for most in America. Take a look at this. Verse 40 says, Jesus is teaching uh, Mary and she's sitting at his feet. But verse 40 says this, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister, my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. And you guys remember in school where they would have like group projects? Anybody remember that? And they'd always put you in a group of random people that maybe you didn't like, maybe you didn't get along with to do this project. And didn't it always feel like somebody was kind of slacking a little bit, right? Like you'd be working hard, putting in all these hours, and then there's that one person that would either miss like when you were getting together to work on the project or show up late. And then the actual day of the project would get there. You'd get up, do your presentation. You just crush it. And then they get up and they're like, fumbling all over the place, not knowing what the heck they're talking about. And you're just kind of like, dude, you didn't put in the work. And then here's how it got even worse. Like it was even worse when they did this. They asked you to then grade each other. I'm like, come on. Like we all know Bob over here didn't put in the work. And now you're asking me to give him a grade. Like he clearly knows who's grading that for them. Right? So a little bit of that dynamic is happening here. And Martha's like, hey, We've got this uh, group project going on here. We're hosting Jesus in our home, and somebody has to do the work. So she's busy in the background, making sure the casseroles are set up, uh, making sure the dishes are laid out perfectly, doing all these things, making sure that there's appetizers. She's working on the desserts as well. And then here's Mary over here just kind of chilling and hanging out with Jesus, and she's getting frustrated by that. Like, hey, like, Mary, you don't understand the assignment. Like, you're supposed to be helping me out a little bit over here, and her distraction, what it's doing is actually keeping her from being discipled by Jesus. And what's significant is this, that Mary was, uh, that Martha was busy doing good things. Like it's good to be a good host and to serve people well and to embody hospitality. That was so important back in that day for many of them. But the problem is that she was doing all those things instead of actually serving Jesus, uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was so focused on serving in, in, instead. And you might look at it and just say like, man, this is ridiculous that you've got Jesus, a rabbi. He's in your home willing to actually teach you and disciple you, which women didn't get to do in that day. And you're choosing to work on some casserole instead? Like, really? Come on. But then you begin to look at your own life and you begin to realize how many times have we done that every single day? time after time when we have an opportunity every waking moment to actually sit at the feet of Jesus for him to teach us, for him to disciple us, for us to learn from him. And instead, we choose to choose every other activity or distraction that we can find in our lives. Isn't that so true about how we tend to live oftentimes? And you just realize that distraction is the biggest obstacle when it comes to our discipleship. It's not persecution. It's not what's happening in politics. It's not what's going on in your kid's school that you're all fired up about. Your biggest obstacle to your discipleship is actually the distraction and busyness in your life. So can we just, in the series again, continue to be honest about like, hey, what are some things that are just distractions right now for me? And there might, they might be some great things like serving and doing all these things. And how are those becoming maybe some obstacles in my life? And just begin to be honest about that. Number two, distraction stunts my spiritual growth and fruitfulness. Distraction stunts my spiritual growth 
and my fruitfulness. So in college, one of the years, uh, we decided to go out for intramural basketball. And we put together this squad that was supposed to destroy everybody. See, on that team, we had the height, we had the skill, we had some great players, many of who should probably have been like on our college's team. But we put together this squad. We even had a kid on our team who was a transfer. He was a point guard at a D1 school that came to our tiny little like Christian school because of some health issues. And we put together this amazing team that was supposed to go out, dominate everybody, win the whole thing. We went out for the season, didn't win a single game. Because see, what was happening was there's just so many distractions. We're not playing well together. And then like during the games, we're just people were arguing, like mouthing off with the refs. Uh, my brother was on my team as well, and he was like the worst one. And one time during a game, he's arguing with the ref, takes off his shirt, and then just like walks off the court as the game is still going on. And we were sabotaging our own team. It's not that the teams that we were playing were so good or whatever. We could have beat every single team that we faced, but we were sabotaging our team. And I just wonder for some of us if the distraction and busyness in our lives that we've allowed to become a priority isn't spiritually sabotaging our growth and fruitfulness. Like we have all the potential, we have all the opportunity to grow, and we should be winning in certain areas in our lives, but you keep looking at your life and you're like, why do I keep struggling in the same area? Why do I feel like I'm not growing here? And it's because you are spiritually sabotaging your growth and fruitfulness through the busyness and distraction that you've allowed to become an idol in your life. And during this season, again, we're continuing to talk about some of those things and just exposing that because when you fill your life with busyness, distraction, activities, what ends up suffering is actually your growth and then your fruitfulness and what God wants to do in your life. In fact, Jesus told this parable in Matthew 13. He talks about these different soils that receive the seed and it's the planted word of God. And you see that some of them start to grow up and to bear much fruit. And then there's some that don't quite do as well. And then he explains it later on in the chapter. And he says the soil that received the seed and began to grow up, but then the thorns choked it out so that it never developed and grew. He says that is the soil that receives the word with joy, but then all the cares and distractions in this world tend to choke it out. And how many of us, the busyness and distraction in our life is literally choking out our spiritual life and growth right now and fruitfulness. And we just have to be careful to not begin to prioritize over uh, other things over our time just spent sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when you begin to look at your life, you'll just realize this, that your life is perfectly designed for the spiritual outcomes that you're getting right now. If I look at my life and I'm being honest, my life is perfectly designed for the spiritual outcomes that I'm getting right now. So in college also, I moved in uh, into our dorm and I'm walking around, checking out the place, and they have this weird machine in the lobby. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? I went to a small Christian college, so you see weird things all the time. But uh, that's besides the point. So they have this machine that is like a square thing, and it has like a dial on it, these two knobs on the side. It's like on the stand, and then it has this belt hanging on it. So I'm like really confused. I've literally never seen this in my life before. So I asked one of the upperclassmen, like, hey, what? what is this thing? And he's like, oh, yeah, that thing, um, yeah, that's the jiggler. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, that's the jiggler, man. We, like, we've had that here like, for like 40, 50 years. And the jiggler is this machine that back in the day they sold for people that if you were just to stand on the, this machine, put this belt around you, 
turn it on, it would just jiggle everything and then you just stand there and do nothing and then you just lose weight by just standing on this machine and it's kind of like maybe you've seen the commercials of those belts that you can be, you know, wear it, put it on, turn it on. You can be eating a cheeseburger and you're going to wake up with a six pack the next day and it just doesn't work, right? And I think a lot of times we tend to like treat our a spiritual life maybe differently where we expect different outcomes, but what we're actually doing day to day is actually compromising and sabotaging the actual growth that we could be getting. And your spiritual life, your life is perfectly designed for the spiritual outcomes that you are getting right now. So what would that look like for you if you were to look at your life and say, man, this thing that I've allowed in my life to begin to sabotage my growth and my fruitfulness. I'm just going to be honest about that in this season and just ask myself, like, what do I need to do to change it? Because whether intentionally or unintentionally, you're allowing some things to become priorities in your life. It is going to affect the outcomes that you see in your faith. And so what do you need to begin to change and to address in your life right now? Because here's the other thing, too, is that sometimes in our lives, we let our priority problems turn into spiritual problems. We let our priority problems turn into spiritual problems. Like here's an example for me on a practical level. What I tend to do is if I know that I've got a Sunday like today where I'm going to be preaching, that for me, the preparation process in my heart and in my mind begins actually Saturday at noon. So that entire evening, that entire afternoon, I am making intentional choices to be able to put me in the best heart, uh, heart space, to be able to make sure that I am uh, awake enough, I have enough energy, all these things that I'm going to need on Sunday morning to be able to get up and do what I do on a Sunday morning to make sure that I'm intentionally praying through it and all these things. And for some of us, we just, you know, stay up late on Saturday night, we're hanging out, you know, we're doing whatever it is. And then like on Sunday morning, we keep wondering why we just can't make it to church. Like, oh, man, yeah, man, you know, the devil, he just doesn't really want us to get to church. And then you look at, well, what are you doing on Saturdays? Oh, well, I was up till one. I was out till, you know, two o'clock in the morning hanging out with whoever. And then you allow this priority problem in your life to turn into an actual spiritual problem for you. Because see, the reality is if you keep doing that thing year after year after year, you wake up one day and you're like, at one point I was here in my faith and I felt close to God. And then now it's been 10 years of not prioritizing my faith. And I'm like feeling so far away from God. And you've allowed the priority problem to become a spiritual problem. Or for your prayer life, for example, people will come all the time and say, hey, I'm just really struggling in my prayer life. Man, the devil, man, he just doesn't want me to pray. I just start praying and I just like, I'm falling asleep and I'm just distracted. And I'm like, okay, well, like, when are you praying? Oh, well, you know, it's like, at the end of the day when I'm I know, done with everything and I'm like in bed usually and I try to pray and I just find, find myself like dozing off and I just can't stay awake and I just can't focus. And it's like, well, do you see how that is maybe a priority problem in your life and not a spiritual problem? Like the devil didn't cause you to do that. He will use that to distract you. But how about maybe you begin saying that point in the day when I'm the most awake, maybe first thing in the morning or on my lunch break or whatever, I am actually going to set time prioritize actually praying, prioritize actually making sure that I get in the word because you can allow a priority problem in your life to turn into a serious spiritual problem. And you find yourself later on down the road wondering like, how did I get here? How did I end up so far away from God? How did I make this mistake or whatever it is? And it's years and years of a lack of right priorities in your life. So can I just 
maybe challenge us to begin to ask like, hey, what are those things in my life that I've allowed to become a spiritual problem that really doesn't need to be that? That I can just choose to make a change today, actually, and begin to see that it'll actually change the spiritual outcomes that I want to see in my life. And so that the result is that I'm growing and I'm being fruitless, uh, fruitful in my life as well. Number three, my idols reveal my discipleship gaps. Look, look at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me then. But Jesus answers her and he says her name twice here to really get her attention. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Like he's saying like, hey, you're, you're concerned about all these different things and what Mary is doing is actually her priorities are actually in order and yours are not. So you might say that it's not that what Martha was doing was wrong, but you might just say that she had a different value system than Jesus did. Because she prioritized serving Jesus over spending time with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Spending time with me is actually better than serving me. And for some of us, that might be a really challenging thought right now. Some of you might even find yourself wanting to push back right now. But here's what I've seen is that when you prioritize serving Jesus, and some of us are so involved and we're doing so many great things, and when you prioritize that over spending time with Jesus, it leads you to a place of frustration and burnout sometimes, and you see that happen all the time. But, but if you were to prioritize spending time with Jesus first and then serving out of the overflow of that, it actually leads to more joy and fulfillment, and you get to serve in a way that is more sustainable in the long haul because everything in your life grows out of your relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is saying, no, no, you and I just have a different value system here. It's not that I don't care. It's that I just care about different things than you do. And some of these idols in our lives, when you begin to look at them, what they're really doing is they're exposing gaps in our discipleship what do I mean by that? I mean that when you look at your discipleship life, which is simply this act of following after Jesus, learning from him, looking to imitate his life and looking to say everything that he says and to do everything that he does. That's what we call this act of discipleship. It's a lifelong process. You begin to look at those areas in your life where there's an idol there. It's showing a gap. It's showing that what I'm saying and what I'm actually living out day to day, there's a gap between that. And the lifelong call that you and I have as a disciple or follower of Jesus is to commit to continue to close that gap as much as we can. And here's the thing. Every single one of us, we have gaps in our lives. You have them. I have them too. And some of us, our gaps are just bigger than others. And some of our gaps might look different, but every single one of us, we have those gaps in our lives. And the lifelong commitment that we are called to do as a disciple or follower of Jesus is to continue to say, how can I just every single day wake up and carry my cross and continue to close that gap as much as possible so that what God's word says, who Jesus is in my life, will begin to align more and more and more. So when you look at those idols in your life, really those reveal those areas that might be a gap for you that you need to commit to working on. And here's the thing. Maybe you're listening to this right now. You're already beginning to feel convicted and feeling that conviction. And here's what the enemy loves to do. When we feel convicted, he wants to lead us to a place of guilt and shame and condemnation. And what ends up happening is we just feel bad for ourselves, and then we're discouraged, like, wow, 
well, I'm just never going to live up to that. I'm never going to close that gap in my life. And what God does in his mercy and his love and his grace is that when you feel conviction for God, it is always an invitation into something greater that he's calling you to. So the conviction you feel maybe right now in this moment, can I just encourage and challenge you to not let the enemy use that to lead you to a place of guilt and shame, but rather to say, what is it in my life? Maybe that is something greater that God is calling me, inviting me to grab a hold of right now, that I'm going to choose to lean into that and not try to work for his approval, but work from a place of approval, knowing that the reason why I want to close that gap in my life is that God has already declared me forgiven. I am his son. I am his daughter. And so I work out of that place. I don't work to somehow try to earn that standing with God. And so can I just encourage you for all of us to lean into that together as we feel conviction through this series and not allow the enemy to discourage us in that. But these gaps that we have in our lives, every single one of us have them. And it's really important to pay attention to them. I remember a conversation I was having with some parents uh, at another church that we were at, and they were telling me about just some of the, the struggles that I seen. It's a family that was really involved at one time, and then they started kind of not, you know, serving as much, not coming to church as much. We'd see them every once in a while now, and they're having some challenges in their marriage and with their kids as well, and they're just like, ah, man, we're, we're just, it's just a hard season for us. We're just struggling, and we're just trying to get involved in church more, just want to grow in my faith more, and then I was talking to them, and every single weekend, they were traveling from state to state to state following one of their kids like travel teams and they were telling me about how at one point they were playing a game in this tournament at like one or two o'clock in the morning and at what point do you just stop and say this thing in my life has actually become an idol that I just need to be honest about and maybe release that and lay that down so that I'll continue to prioritize God in my life because the outcome that it was having on their faith and their marriage and their life was devastating and yet here was this gap in their life's that they were not willing to address that and actually make a change about that. Can I just talk to us as parents for a second? Because I'm a parent myself, and these are conversations that we have all the time. That it's great that we want to raise kids that are great athletes, that are straight A students, that will go on to change the world and do some amazing things. And all these things that we're trying to encourage our kids and push them to do. What good does it do them if they accomplish all those things? They make it to the league or their CEO of their company and whatever it is, and yet... They forfeit their soul in the process. Because Jesus said it this way. He said, what good does it do a man or a woman if he gains the entire world and yet forfeits his soul? And so some of these choices that we're making and how we're actually living out in our lives, our kids are smart and they pick up on that. Like it doesn't matter how many times you say God is a priority in this house and we serve God and we live for God and you have your Jesus tattoo on you. If the way that you're living is actually prioritizing everything else over God, your kids see that, they will repeat what you do, not what you say. So can I just begin to maybe encourage us? Like, hey, it's great that we're raising straight A students, but are we also raising disciples? It's great that we're pushing them to be great athletes, but are we also prioritizing discipling them as well? And just to make sure that these gaps in our lives, that we're continuing to close that so that what we believe about who God has called us to be and how we're actually living, that those two things begin to come into alignment together because our idols reveal these gaps in our lives. And I want to give us some practical takeaways as we're going to step into this. If we're going to actually do it, what does that look like for us in our lives? And if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, that it begins with ex examining your life. Examine your life. Look at your time your talent, and your treasures. 
and begin to ask for every single one of these areas. If I were to look at the way that I'm spending my time, my calendar, would I be able to tell that God is the clear priority in my life in the way that I spend my time, my talent, and my treasures? And maybe begin to see the things that, hey, this started out as a great hobby that I was getting into because it was fun. I was doing it to connect with people, whatever it is, fantasy football team that I was doing. And then now it's consuming so much of my time. Or maybe some people even will begin to travel for their hobbies. That's pulling them away from church, pulling them away from their family. What is it in your life right now as you examine your life, your time, your talent, your treasures? What is it in your life that has become an idol for you that you just need to be honest about today? And that's a challenge for every single one of us to do that. Maybe it's a hobby for you. Maybe it's a sport team. Or um, maybe for some of us, it's maybe even our career. And it's a good thing to work. And it's a good thing to want to be successful and to do your job well. But for some of us, we even allow our career to become that idol in our lives where we begin to sacrifice our relationship with God, we begin to sacrifice time with our families and the things that matter the most to continue to pursue after this career because we're chasing after success or more money or whatever it is in our lives. If you were to be honest with yourself and examine your life, your time, your talent, your treasures, what would it be for you that you need to surrender today and begin to prioritize God? And number two, if you're taking notes, make a commitment to actually do something about it today. It's, it's so easy to come to church and we hear great messages all the time. Oh, yeah, that was such a great word. And oh, man, that really, yeah, that really hit home. And man, the truth, the conviction was there. And that was great. And then we leave here and we change nothing about the way that we live. So what is it in your life that you actually need to do something about actually today to make a commitment to say, hey, I've chosen to make these things an idol for way too long. Today's the day. Enough is enough. I'm actually going to do something different about it. And if you're looking for ways that we can uh, just as a church continue to grow in putting Jesus first is through our engagement pathway that we talk about a lot. So you can head to this link here on the, on the uh, screen there uh, to our website and look at all the different ways that you can get involved here. Maybe for you, it's just choosing to say, I've been selfish in the way that I've been spending my time and I'm going to choose to use my time to begin to serve. Or maybe it's getting uh, into rooted so that you can grow. Or maybe it's uh, joining an outpost where you can study God's word together, where you can go serve and meet some of the needs of other people. Or maybe starting an outpost. Or for some of you, it's for the first time ever to choose to actually be discipled and to learn how to disciple, disciple other people as well through the discipleship huddles that we have which is a year-long process that you get to walk through together with other people where you're asking all these questions every single day like, hey, here's the life that God's called me to live and here's where I'm at. How can I continue to bring those together in alignment? And that's a great way that you will continue to grow. And then for some of you, I would just encourage you to go ahead and join the prayer and fasting chain that we have going on. See, we started out the year with all of us just praying and fasting together. We did this 21-day fast because there's some idols in your life that end up literally changing your spiritual palate. Like when I first started drinking coffee, I hated coffee. But now, I love the taste of coffee. And for some of you, maybe whatever the idol was in your life at first didn't seem like that great. But now you've been allowing it to be an idol for so long in your life that literally your spiritual palate has changed. And so in order to rid yourself of that, you need to do something radical like actually fasting. Because when we committed to fast together to start out this year, we were giving up meals. I know for me, I gave up social media for a while and it literally reoriented the way that my habits and my life and even some of the things that I enjoyed literally changed that. So for you, 
maybe the thing that you need to do is to text that number right now to join this prayer and fasting chain because Pastor Envita is going to be texting out a weekly reminder. We're all fasting together on Wednesday and whatever it is in your life, if you will continue to do this, God will actually use that to begin to change some of your desires and your affection and your attention so that you would not have any idol before him. So those are just a few practical ways that you can do that. And this week I was at Starbucks uh, early in the morning working on my message. That's what I tend to do sometimes when I'm preparing to, to preach. I love to go to Starbucks. Something about the noise of a coffee shop just helps me to focus better. But here's what I love as well is that as I'm sitting in that space, usually I get to just watch. There's the mom coming in with three kids and it's chaos. And here's a business guy coming in on a call trying to close the next deal. And all these different people coming in just gives me so much insight as I'm reading the text and as I'm praying through that. So I love to do that. And this week I was at Starbucks and sat down. It's early in the morning and I'm working on my message. And this guy walks in and he sits down and he like opens this laptop. And it's a pretty serious like gaming laptop. And he's got the mouse pad and the side mouse as well. I'm like, oh, this guy knows his stuff. So he starts to play and it's this game and he's building everything on there. And then a few minutes, another guy walks in and goes and sits down next to him across the table from him. And they start to like talk about this game and they're like, you know, talking about these worlds and buildings and everything that they're building. And I just sat there and I was reading this text as Jesus was talking about Mary choosing the better portion that can never be taken away from her. And I was just thinking, here's a game that does not matter. And yet these guys were here awake early in the morning, working on it, investing in it, building this virtual world that literally does not matter. And I wonder for us as believers, how many things in our lives can we look at and say, it does not matter. Don't make that thing a priority in your life that you spend all your energy, your time and talent into. It does not matter. When it comes to the grand scheme of eternity, it does not matter. So what is it in your life? Is it a hobby that's gotten out of hand? Is it anything that you're pursuing that maybe does not matter in the grand scheme of things and you choose to say, I will prioritize God, make the first thing first in my life to make sure that God continues to be the priority in my life. And in the life of the nation of Israel at a pivotal mo moment for them, Joshua said these words to them from Joshua 24. He says, talking about idols and for them choosing to make a decision to be set apart, he says this to them. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, whether the gods that your father served in the region beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But he says this, but as for me as my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of us, today is the day that you choose to draw a line in the sand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what the world is doing, what distractions they're after, what they're pursuing after for me. God is the number one priority in my life. I don't just want to say it. I'm going to begin to actually live like it. Today is the day that I'm going to make this commitment to put God first. Because if you do not intentionally make God first in your life, you will end up with other gods in your life. Pray with me. Father, we just pause right now. To let these words that we just heard sink in. Father, would your Holy Spirit begin the process right now of convicting us, calling us into something greater, 
helping us, God, to choose you above everything else, to put you first, God, that you would be the only God in our lives and, God, to be bold and courageous today to set aside every other idol that has been competing for our time, our talent, and our treasure. God, even the things that have begun to steal our love away from you, I pray right now in this moment that, God, we would lay those things down to pursue after you. Would you convict us? Would you help us? Would you give us the strength to continue to close that gap of discipleship in our lives so that we would have no other gods before you? God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for calling us to be a part of your family. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.